Evening, everyone. Can you hear me? Is that all right? All right. So, um, yeah, for those of you who don't, uh, don't know me, I'm Liam Marie. Uh, my parents are Gavin and uh, Karen. They pastors here on staff. And, um, you know, it's quite funny because um, I'm a massive introvert. So doing things like this, public speaking, I absolutely hate it with a passion. So, um, you know, this could be quite interesting. Um, you know, as a PK, I never really... You know, your typical PKs, you know, you have that rebellion phase. Now, I never actually had that. It was more of a, Lord, whatever you do, I will serve you until the day I die, but please don't make me preach. I don't want to be like my parents, right? And, well, you know, here I am. Um, You know, and God obviously has a sense of humor. So, yeah. Um, Now, I've been given the topic on worship, and it's obviously such a massive and broad topic to talk about. So I'm going to try my best to kind of break it up into two parts, and then I'll kind of unpack each part and then somehow try to tie it up all together at the end. All right. Sound good? Cool. So what is worship? So kind of straight off the bat, worship is not having people on stage, bright lights, singing all the the recent songs, um, which, you know, has kind of become accustomed today that that is worship. And it's not, it's an aspect of worship, but that is not, that's not worship. That's not what it's limited to. That's not what it's restricted to, because God is so much bigger than that, okay? Um, God isn't limited to the stage or to the next Bethel song, all right? The Oxford Dictionary defines the noun, worship as a noun, as the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration. And it also, and then it defines the verb, worship as a verb, um, worship is to show reverence and adoration. For me personally, just in my own journey, um, my short answer of what worship would be is that ultimately it's putting God first in every aspect of my life, so in our lives. It's acknowledging uh, what He's done in our lives and what He will do. It's also building a relationship with Him. And sometimes it can be surrendering our dreams and our pride and laying down our problems and giving it to Him. That is also an act of worship. That is what worship can be. But how do we do this? Because it's nice to say that, but, but in terms of practicality, how do we actually do that? How do we put Him first? How do we lay down everything? At the bottom of the, yeah, bottom of the, the, the story is that worship is a heart response. Ultimately, it's a heart response. And what do I mean by that? Worship is connecting our hearts our humanly hearts, and our souls with heaven. In other words, worship is the the posture of a heart. What does that look like? How does the posture of a heart look like it's acknowledging him in our lives? Does that make sense? So, in other words, true worship is a matter of the heart expressed through a lifestyle of prioritizing God in our lives. True worship is a matter of heart expressed, of the heart expressed through a lifestyle of prioritizing God in our lives. And um, just a few scriptures to kind of help make my point. Um, Esther, could you please put up Psalm 86 verse 12? I will praise you, Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name. And the next one, Psalm 57 verse 7. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. Deuteronomy, 
6, verse 4 to 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord of our God, the Lord is one. Uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And then lastly, Matthew 15, verse 8 to 9. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's vain worship. Eh? It's very much like that scripture says, they worship with their lips, but not their heart. So what does that tell, tell us? The most important aspect of worship is the heart response. Where's our heart at? So in other words, everything we do should flow from a heart that loves and adores God above all else. Uh, one of the vineyard values is Father Intimacy. And when we worship, ultimately, Father Intimacy, that is the destination. That's what we want to get to. We want to get to that Father Intimacy. Hey? If we can get to that place when we worship, man, hey? that's where I want to be. And can you just quickly put James 4, verse 8? Esther, this is kind of the, the crux. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart. You do, right, you double mind. Okay. Um, uh, it's the different, different translation. But pretty much in that verse, it says that if we draw our hearts near to Him, right, He promises that He will draw near to us. Right. If we draw our hearts, our heart response, our posture, if we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. And that's a promise. And then what begins to happen is that our relationship with the Father grows because if we have that Father intimacy, right, we have that connection, our relationship with God grows. God doesn't want us to worship Him because He needs the praise. He doesn't need the praise. His glory isn't determined by how much we praise him today or how we praise him tomorrow. He wants us to praise him because it's actually beneficial for us. It really is because when we worship him, when we, when we give him glory, we build our own relationship with him and that's beneficial for us. God doesn't need the praise. Right, he deserves it, absolutely, but he doesn't need it to, to, to become, I don't know, to get the, the glory, eh? He's already in heaven. He's one already. But ultimately, it's so that we can benefit from having a relationship with God. Does that make sense? Winning. Okay. Brian Johnson said that worship is an overflow of a genuine connection. And on the other side of the spectrum, and this is important to know as well, worship isn't an act of works either. Right? It is an act of work. So, for example, uh, you know, the more I worship and the more people see me worship, you're the better Christian I am. Because ultimately, then, why are you worshiping? What's the reason behind it? Well, the reason behind it is because you're doing it because you want to look good. Or, you know, you're doing it because you're ticking a box. And as soon as we're ticking a box and we're doing it because we feel like we must, because there's something we need to achieve, it's religion. And ultimately, in the Bible, Jesus doesn't call us to a religious mindset. Instead, he calls us into a relationship with the Father. And that's more important, eh? the relationship with the Father. And the best part about this is that it's a choice. Because as soon as you remove that choice factor, that religious mindset, where's the, where's the love? Hey, we're, not, we're not exercising in, in God's love. We have a choice to worship. That's the best part. 
we get to choose them every single day. So yeah, that's just kind of what worship is for me in a, in a nutshell. But now, I just want to talk about different ways and how to worship. And obviously, this is going to look different for everyone, okay? I'm not saying this is how you must worship, not at all. I'm just going to give a few um, ways that you can, all right? Um, other than, you know, the whole musical aspect. I'm trying to, you know, yeah, just give you a few examples. So one of the most important ways or aspects of worship um, ultimately would be reading your Bible. So doesn't mean you have to have a good singing voice. If you want to worship Jesus, open your Bible. Read. Read the Bible. Because reading our Bible, well, when we read our Bible, we spend time with God, and we spend time in His Word. We're giving Him the time. Praying is another important way or aspect of worshiping because we're communicating with God. Imagine trying to build a relationship with someone where you don't communicate. Realistically, it's not possible. So when we pray, that's an act of worship because we are spending time with the Father. We're communicating with Him. We're getting to know Him. Imagine, yeah, and then Paul says that exercising spiritual gifts is also an act of worship because when they're used, and obviously when they're used in the correct way, it brings glory to God. It brings glory to God. But um, however, like if we have to be honest, um, and I, you know, I think for a lot of us, and I'm obviously including myself in this, reading your Bible isn't always the easiest thing to do, right? Especially, you know, the younger generation, and I still include myself in this, our attention span isn't the greatest. So to sit down and read the Bible is not, you know, the most appealing thing to do, if we have to be completely honest. And sometimes it's very difficult to forget about praying because we get so caught up in our own busyness, our own lives, that we end up neglecting, not neglecting, but, you know, we forget to pray, and then it's like, oh, you know. So, if you, like me, and that happens quite a bit, then does that mean now that, oh, you can't be a good worshiper? Absolutely not. This is, this is where the exciting part comes in for me, at least. Fortunately for us, God can't be boxed in. He's bigger than a few aspects of worship, right? So, He's bigger than the different aspects, the different ways of worship. God has blessed us with our own unique and extremely personal interests and talents. We can use those talents and interests as a tool to worship Him. And it's very important that we don't end up worshiping the talent, but we use it as a tool to worship God. Worship ultimately, like I said earlier, is a heart response. So if you're an artist and you go in with the heart of, God, I'm going to paint and I'm going to spend this time. I'm going to paint and I'm going to spend this time and I'm going to give you the glory in this moment. So what if you're painting? Are you spending time with God? Are you, are you giving up that time to worship Him in that moment? Are you bringing Him glory? If so, you know, so what if you're not... Um, you know, locked up in, or, you know, you're not at church, for example. You can worship like that. It's authentic. It's raw. We get to use our gifts and our talents to worship Him. And I'm sure um, 
parents can relate to this kind of analogy. When your kids come to you and they just want to spend time with you and they end up drawing, you know, with the crayons or they show you their new dance moves. It doesn't matter that, you know, it's, you know, not the greatest. I mean, sure, a six-year-old's drawing is, I'm sure it's beautiful to the parent. But the point is that they want to do it because they want to spend time with you. What's important isn't the drawing or the dance moves. They're ultimately there to spend time with you, right? And I'm sure as the parent, or at least I would, you would delight in that. Hey, your kid wants to spend time with you. doesn't matter if he's dancing or she's dancing or, you know, coloring in a picture. They want to spend time with you. In the same way, God delights in us when we come and we want to spend time with him and we want to glorify him. Does that make sense? So if you're a dancer, dance. If you're a musician, play your instrument. If you write, write. If you like surfing, go and surf. But do so with the heart of, Father, I'm going to give you this time and I'm going to glorify you in this moment. Does that make sense? Um, and the most important thing to realize is that it's still a heart response. So it doesn't matter how good you are at something. What matters is the heart. Is your heart in the right place? Why are you doing that? Why are you reading your Bible? Why are you praying? Where's your heart in it? And, um, <laughs> but now, you, so, so just to make that analogy, you don't have to have a voice like Caitlin, you know, if you're a musician. If you're a dancer, you don't have to have the same moves like Dave, you know, on the dance floor. <laughs> Hey, your skill doesn't qualify you as a good worshiper. Your heart does. Your heart qualifies you. Where's your heart in all of this? What's your heart? What's the posture of your heart? So, if you like riding horses, go ride horse. Ride horses the whole day. But do so with the heart of, Father, I'm going to give you this time, and I'm going to glorify you because I love you. And, um... Esther, can you please put up 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's it. That's it in a, in a nutshell. doesn't matter what you do. The focus isn't on what you do, the music, the new songs, the dances, whatever it is. Yes, those are cool because they help you create spaces where you can encounter God where you can draw near to him, okay? But the focus is encountering the Father, okay? So again, the focus isn't on what you do, all right? But the focus is on encountering the Father. Use your talents, use your, your interests. Remember, God has put those specific and unique interests and talents in each and one of us. And he, he knows us. He knew us before we were born. He knew exactly what would make us tick. He knew exactly what we would love to be one day. So how amazing is that, that we get to use that as a tool to worship Him? But that's not the focus. We use that to create a space, yes, but the focus is encountering the Father, that Father intimacy. Um, the last way or aspect of worship um, I'll share on is, is crucial. And that is serving. Serving is an act of worship. Billy Graham said that the highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. As nice as it is, using our talents and singing the songs, 
um, that can't be the only place we worship God. The only way, right? Um, because if we just draw the line there and say that's how I'm going to worship Jesus and we stay there, right? Ultimately, it becomes something that we do for ourselves then. And the focus becomes on me instead of, you know, a relationship. And when we serve others and become living sacrifices, like the Bible says, we take ourselves out of the equation. And then we discover Jesus' upside-down kingdom when we begin to serve. And um, a perfect example, again, is in John 13, verse 5, you know, when Jesus, who's the Messiah, he's the king of heaven, knelt down and washed the disciples' feet. What greater example is that? Hey? Unselfish Christian service. It's a beautiful way of worshiping. So serve with love and again with the heart of this is for your glory. God, this is for your glory. This is because I love you. You know, it's, it's so easy to come in, you know, at church and say, ah, oh, you know, the music's too loud or, you know, the coffee's terrible. You know, Bo's making coffee again. <laughs> this is going to be terrible. Or, you know, at work, you know, my colleagues, yes, they are nightmare. You know, my colleagues, yes, this is wrong. They need to change this, the equipment. You know, my teacher, he sucks. You know, it's shocking. But the question we should be asking ourselves is, where can I serve? Where can I serve others and put their needs before mine? And if we do that, I think the world could be a very, very different place. And that's the simple act of worship. And then, this is the cool part, because then Sundays come, and why do we have these big corporate gatherings? What is the purpose if worship, like I said earlier, is to, to build a relationship with God, which is obviously a very personal thing? Well, Sundays, this is a celebration, right? So picture everyone coming to worship. They have their little, let's say, puzzle piece, right? So the worship during the week, the, the time they spent on building their relationship, picture that as like a little puzzle piece. And then we all come together. Everyone comes with their own, you know, puzzle piece. And we come together and we sing together and we celebrate the king together. Our puzzle pieces form this picture, right, that God delights in. And every week, that picture is different because God's always doing a new thing, right? And God delights in that picture. And my favorite part, and it's very, very humbling about corporate worship, is that we actually get to partake in something much bigger than ourselves. And I think that scares some people because people like to control things, things that they control. Because as soon as you don't feel like, like you're out of control, you're scared of that eh, because you're not in control. And people are very, very afraid of that. But what, and it's so, this is quite a humbling exercise. So to partake in something so much bigger than ourselves, because at the end of the day, when we sing together, we join in with fellow believers, with fellow brothers and sisters, with heaven's angels, all the saints, all the elders, and we worship the king. And we get to do that every single Sunday. Every single Sunday. We have the choice to do that. And that's a celebration. That's amazing. And what's amazing is that also we get to celebrate what God, what God has been doing in our own lives. So we come with our little puzzle piece, and it's exciting because it's look what God's done this week. Look, look what we've done together. 
check the time I've spent with him. Now I get to celebrate that and I get to join in something bigger on a Sunday. We get to join in with the kingdom and we worship the king. Every Sunday we have that privilege. Right, and uh, this is kind of a rite of passage thing, but you know, all the pastors say, you know, I'm going to come in for a landing, so I'm going to say it. I'm coming in for a landing. <laughs> How often do you think as humans, and this, it's, it's our flesh, and I think we can all relate to this, but how often do we stop worshiping because of our circumstances or our situations? You know, I, I don't feel like worshiping because, you know, I feel like my life's falling apart at the moment. You know, this kind of happened at work. Um, got a flat tire on the way to church, so I'm kind of not feeling super, super spiritual, you know. Um, and, you know, he's not changing my circumstances, so I don't really feel like worshiping him for that. I think we've all been there, if we have to be realistic, um, sometime in our lives. But I'm not going to tell you what to do, but again, I'm just, from what I've experienced, worship is extremely powerful, and it has the power to transform lives, okay? And I'm going to break it up into a little analogy quickly, just so you guys can, I don't know, to help you understand. Um, but think about it, if you have to spend time with someone, right, and it's someone you really get along with, you spend time with this person, eventually, you start picking up their mannerisms, okay? You start picking up little facial expressions, um, tones in their voice, and you start mimicking them. And you, you start doing the same mannerisms, the same tone of voice. You spend time um, around Dave Skivington enough, you're going to start saying words like botched, you know, he botched this. Eh? And it's, he's, you know, yeah. And, on the, you know, and then also, another example would, would be if you admire a hero, you know, think of a hero in your life. It could be a fictional character for me, you know, um, it could be a spiritual father. It could be your own father. It could be someone you work with. If there's someone in your life that you completely admire, that person is your hero, same thing. You end up picking up on their mannerisms, their little sayings, their little facial expressions, without, sometimes without you even knowing. So similarly, if our admiration for the hero, the hero, that is Jesus Christ, is great, and we are worshiping Jesus with a heart that is honest and pure, the, then obviously the more time we spend with him and our relationship grows, we therefore pick up on his mannerisms and we start to live more like him. We become transformed. That is how worship transforms us. And what's great is that that leaks into other people's lives, the people around you. Because all of a sudden there's something happening with this person. Now I'm intrigued. Why are you so happy? that changes atmospheres because now your situation starts changing. Worship isn't changed by the atmosphere, but worship rather changes the atmosphere. So we're <laughs> that's great. Okay. Worship isn't changed by the atmosphere. Worship changes the atmosphere. So worship in the midst of your circumstances. <laughs> the perfect example would be Acts 16. Uh, verse 25 to 26. So, Esther, do you mind just popping that up? So about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All right. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. 
they got locked up. So yes, our flat tires does suck. Or, you know, the guy cutting in front of us does suck, yes. But these guys got locked up for no reason. And instead of not praising God, they decided, hang on, we're going to worship in the midst of our circumstances. And what happened? Those prison walls came down. Their atmosphere changed. So ultimately, worship in the midst of your circumstances, guys. And again, I'm not telling you, yeah, I don't want to tell you what to do, but from my own experience, worship God in your own circumstances, whatever they look like. Ultimately, God didn't put those circumstances there. He didn't create that situation. Satan did. So now it's like, oof, if I... I don't feel like praising God because of the circumstances. Satan's winning. Because he's just got to upset your day like that. And all of a sudden you're not going to praise God. He's winning. So don't let Satan take away your worship. A thief doesn't break into an empty house. So if you feel like everything is going against you, that is the time when you get up and you worship God even more. That is how your circumstances change. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually right at the end. So, yeah. So, um, mm. let us pray. Yeah, Father, thank you so much that we get to worship you. You don't force us to, but rather you give us the choice to willingly choose to worship you and spend time with you every single day. I pray for the hearts here tonight that are longing for new encounters with you, Lord. The hearts that feel like they've drifted apart from you. Help them to know that you are still there in the midst of their circumstances. And we want to know you, Lord. We want to know you more, Father. We want to say our hearts are open. Our hearts are open for you this evening, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit. Father, will you just receive our worship tonight, Lord? carry on Ben where do we go from here that was very very good eh guys and <laughs> are you sure it's your first time sure very good really really hot challenging stuff for us to to think about um, 
And uh, while I was sitting there thinking, you know, I thought worship is also like, it's like a birthday party. Um, and at a birthday party, you eat a lot of cake, you dance, you laugh, you sing, eh? you dress up. But you do that all because of a person, a life. You're celebrating a life. And, um, and that's what communion is. That's what we're going to do tonight as well. We are, we are celebrating a life. We are celebrating around the life that the Lord gives us and reminds us of that. And when we celebrate the life that he's given us, worship is born. Okay? We're saying, thank you, Lord. I can worship in whatever state, in whatever's going on in my life, whatever is coming against me, good and bad, joyful, suffering, anything's happening, we can still worship because it's not about our life, it's about the life he's given us. Eh? We stand firm in that, the heart that the Lord has poured into us. Do you want to share something? Yeah. Hi. Um, this is something um, that came to my mind, and I, I kind of want to share it as an encouragement to everyone because thank you, Dem, that was amazing. And I'm like, I'm really encouraged by what you said and about worshiping God in our circumstances. And if I had to tell you right now, honestly, like to be real, like my circumstances are not great <laughs> right now, you know. But something that I've learned and that I am learning, and I was encouraged again when Liam was speaking, is that I'm learning to, like, so when our circumstances change, God doesn't change. You know, God is always the same. He is the provider. He is sovereign. He is faithful, you know. And so what I'm learning to do is to, like, rely on who God is and declare who God is over my circumstances, even if I don't feel it. So I'm saying this now before we pray and before we worship, because I want to encourage anybody who feels like the circumstances are not great or they're not what you want them to be, but remember who God is. And then when you pray, declare who God is over your situation, over your circumstances and pray because I really find like it shows my faith so much and I feel so encouraged in myself when I pray like that. So, okay, Lord Jesus, right now, you know, I have a lot of debt, but you are the provider and you are faithful and you will provide for me and you will told me that you will give me everything that I need, you know. Maybe he won't give us everything we want, but he'll give us everything we need. So I just want to encourage you with that. That's really, really good. I remember in Luke 15, where the, the son comes back from pigland, as Dave would say. He comes back from just destroying everything, wasting all of inheritance, treating his dad as, as dead and walking away. And he comes back, and his father reacts with a robe, with a ring, and with sandals. And, and it's, this, it's this picture of just the father lavishing on a son who didn't deserve anything. But the main thing is the son had to actually accept that new identity with anything, nothing that he's done. He had to look at his dad in his face and accept this robe, this ring, and these sandals from everything that the father's done, nothing that he's done. And, and, and that's what we're saying. When we, when we worship the Lord, we're not saying, okay, Lord, I've been a good boy. I've done enough. Now I'm accepted into your throne room. We're saying, whatever I come with, whoever I am, I need to accept what you say about me. I need to accept the robe that you put on me. I need to accept the ring that you put on my finger. I need to accept the sandals that you put on me. I need to accept what you see on me, not what I see in me or what I think I see in me about you. Does that make sense? Okay. And so we're going we're gonna to go from there. And so there's some bread and there's some juice as a symbol of his body and his blood. 
And I really want to encourage us, grab some of that, find a, f- a friend, huddle in groups of three or four, and before you start, ask the Lord in your groups, Lord, what do you say I am? What is the word? Who do you say I am? Not who do I feel I am in you, but who do you say I am? And if you hear something for someone else, share it. Share what you feel the Lord is saying to each one of us tonight, and then we go from there into celebrating who we are. We're going to have birthday parties scattered all around here tonight. We're celebrating what the, how the Lord sees us, and worship is flowing from that. Can we do that? We're going to take five minutes, grab some juice, grab some bread, and then we'll get into some worship.